welcome to Control All Delete Slash Church. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined from the Costa del Clyde by Paul Butiman. How are you, Paul? I'm very well, thank you, Stuart. Very well, yes. Excellent. You are where in the world? Okay, so I live in Dunoon, eh, which is on the Kyle Peninsula, not an island, despite trying to get parcels delivered. Um, so Cowell is just across the water from Greenock or Gurick. We get a wee boat across, or you can drive over the rest, be thankful and come down. You're all welcome, whenever. Absolutely, and I would endorse um, wholeheartedly that you do go and visit. I used to live there. Um, so uh, back in the day, 100 years ago, uh, my dad was a minister at um, Cumlinstrone in Ardentinny. So mm-hmm. uh, I spent my formative years, in, uh, <laughs> and I mean formative uh, years, in Dunoon. Uh, so I moved there, I think, when I was 15 or something like that. So uh, uh, it's a great place. But yeah, you're right. It's not an island you can drive when the rest and be thankful is open. Um, so, yeah. So how did you end up there? Because that's... that that. That's not where you started off with. So when I, let's let's go all the way back then. So when when I first met you, I think you were probably working for National Mission, weren't you? Yep, that's right, Stuart. I I trained as a minister mm-hmm. and thought I would go into parish ministry, but bring in a kind of interest in young people and holiday clubs and such like, which I'd done as a volunteer. But my first job I was at St Ninian's Centre, mm-hmm. the Church Scotland Centre it used to be. And that's where the missions coordinator was based. So there were two parts of the job, Stuart. Uh, one was organising uh, weekends where youth fellowships and youth clubs would come to the weekends at St Ninians. And the second part was going out and organising the summer mission programme. Uh, and the summer mission programme became the high school missions uh, as we began to think, well, where are young people? They're not all on the, the beaches of Girvan, although Girvan ran some great summer missions over the years. And we began experimenting with uh, reaching out to young people and children beyond the holidays uh, so that was from 93 to 2001, I did that job, Stuart. Um, 2001, 2002, I went back to college for a year mm-hmm. because I began to feel that to work with the community and work in the community while still for the church, I needed a bit more support training. So I ended up doing a postgraduate certificate in community education at Jordan Hill, which is now knocked down, sadly, that great building up there. Um, and in 2002, 2009, uh, I worked in Edinburgh, in Gilmerton, South Edinburgh, and that was planting a church for young people. So again, still part of National Mission. Uh, and that was a an old church that had effectively closed, uh, but worked in partnership with churches in South Edinburgh uh, to, to plant a, a church for young people and their families. And 2009, came through here to Argyll and worked for Argyll Presbytery. And advising across the whole of Argyll and Butte, which is a coastline larger than France. Did you know it? I didn't know that. Well, it does. Um, all these lovely islands, nine high schools across this lovely rural presbytery. And then also the second part of that job was we built a youth project here in, in Danoon called EXP. And uh, I did that from 2009 to 2019, 2019. Uh, and that brings me to Youth Work Journeys where I am now. So that's a okay. wee brief summary. So, so that... That's a that's a that's a it's a broad time frame. You know, neither of us are uh, nearly as young as we used to be. So mm-hmm. things have changed a lot in terms of how we think about our work with young people across that yeah. time. And you you know, you said yourself, you know, in the middle of that, you decided to go back and have a think about, uh, uh, you know, some of the you know what's been going on and the, the you know different kinds of approaches and that kind of thing when you you went back to Jordan Hill. So mm-hmm. how would you you know if you were looking back now on Paul and you know the the nineteen nineties. <laughs> what would you say to him? Because the stuff that the stuff that we were both doing in those days was great. You know, mm-hmm. we you know folk loved it. We had a great time. We, we were just reflecting before we uh, pressed record that um, you know there was lots of silliness, lots of games. You know, lots of making people do ridiculous things, um, and in the middle of all of that, somehow telling them about Jesus. Um, but, but there's a bit of a kind of, you know, that's not how we do that anymore um, kind of thing. So how, how's your thinking? Has it moved? Has it changed? What do, you, what do you think of that kind of period when you look look back a bit and think, you know, what what, what was going on then and and would that work now? Oh, sure. Good questions. Um, I remember back at my induction, so that was 19, 1982, and whoever it was that was preaching, and I can't remember who it was, he said something like, and just go and be yourself. And I often think, you know, 
half the congregation cheered and half the congregation groaned. <laughs> but I would look back, Stuart, and tell myself in those younger years, just stick with it. Not in an arrogant way, I hope not. Hopefully not an arrogant way, but just that your gut is probably right. Um, and it's taken me a long time, Stuart, um, to stick with what I believe to be true. I often felt that after my initial five or ten years in ministry, I began to feel I, I defined myself by who I wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm oh, I'm not like yeah. that organisation, or or I'm not as something as that. I'm not as something as that. And it's taken me maybe the last five years or so, Stuart, the last five ten years to go, well, this is who I am. This is who God's made me to be. Uh, so I think I'll go back to those early years. And somehow I've often thought, Stuart, that when we used to run summer mission teams, they were the exception, you know. But I think what we used to do in summer mission teams, the exception should have become the normal. G- give you an example. A, when we used to do prayers, or in fact anything on a summer mission team, the expectation was that everybody was in unless you chose to come out. So if that was doing the holiday clubs, leading the games, doing the funny stories, doing the Bible stories, if it was washing the dishes, if it was doing the prayers, the expectation was that everybody shared in everything unless you had a really good reason not to. And then someone would say, okay, I'll help you with that. Come on, let's not do it this week, but we'll help you do it next time. But church culture, I would suggest, is very much the opposite. It's everybody's out unless you choose to join in. Mm-hmm. And I think if the church, if we had been more, if I had been stronger in that, Stuart, and saying, no, that's the, that should be the culture of the church, that we all do everything, rather than just leaving it all to the minister and most of us sit back or we leave it to the staff member. So, yeah, I think two things there, Stuart. I would encourage me as a younger person to just go for it. Uh, but I'm I'm grateful for those who supported me through those times, and yeah, that that expectation that everybody in church has a has a role to play, rather than asking for the volunteer to do one or two things. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, uh, yeah, it, it, that that sense of um, looking back and thinking, right, so what was it we were doing, and what did we think we were trying to do? And and I think you're right, Paul, that that about creating a community that is engaging for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that we did around that, I think, was we said to people things like, come and volunteer because you can help other people. And actually, the thing that we missed out on saying to people is, come and volunteer because it's really good for you mm. and it'll help you to understand what church is, how that could work, and then take that back into your own place. So sometimes we would come together and we'd you know, get a team and we'd go and do a thing. Uh, and it was all about helping other people in that place. But actually what was happening was we were growing people mm-hmm. through that volunteering experience. And that happened in all kinds of ways. So it would happen through the, the, you know, the summer mission programs and then the kind of impact uh, teams later or through youth assembly or through you know, whatever it might be. Actually what it was about was, for me, it was about um, faith formation and uh, just building people, you know, and building their, their their spiritual lives. But at the time, I don't think we, certainly I don't know that I really realised that's what we were doing until yep. a bit later on. Yes, training was something that was kind of bolted on before or after, yeah. um, rather than the learning by the doing. Maybe that's something we've probably both learned over the years, Stuart, about yeah. your reflective learning yeah. and the, the benefit of saying, okay, we've had this this great experience, this bad experience. So what we're learning? Yeah. Uh, and I think one of my favourite questions I would ask youth workers or trainees or students over the last number of years is, so what are you learning? Mm-hmm. Um, and just as you walk the street with somebody after being doing a, a lunch club in the school or whatever, um, yeah, we're always learning. Or we've always got, we've always got the potential to learn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and what we need, I suppose, in that and... and I suppose where, where we find you now is is helping people to do that because it doesn't necessarily come uh, naturally to people. I think, you know, we've all heard the, um, we tried that once. Mm. You know, it's just kind of standard church response to things. Well, great, that's that's great that you tried that once, um, mm. but nobody's ever made a thing work the first time. You know, it's a fluke. If it's mm. good, 
the first time because actually what we need to do is learn and grow and develop and all that kind of stuff. So so is that where we find you now? This youth work journey sounds a, a bit more like a, being alongside people and helping to to do that, you know, just as you've described, you know, the conversation that goes mm. alongside or, or after or before, you know, what is it, you know? Yeah, I think I sometimes wonder, Stuart, if the, the Church of Scotland is, is a great teaching organisation, but I'm not convinced that we're a, a good learning organisation. Um, and that's, yeah, kind of attention, I feel. Uh, but yeah, Youth Work Journeys um, go back to about 2017. And I was driving up a road you'll know well, up past Loch Eck, Strucker, up to Rest Me Thankful, up towards Cairndu. And it's one of the few occasions, Stuart, where I had like a wee God whisper, kind of a line. I've, I've described it before someone else. It was like there was, a, there was a voice inside me without hearing the voice outside me. Um, and the voice just simply said, released into life. And I thought, I don't know what that meant, Stuart. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't a line from a song or a hymn, or a scripture. No one had given me it before. So I began in 2017 to try and restructure the job. The Argyll Presbytery Youth Advisor and the the Cowell work uh, with the churches in the EXP Youth Project. And then ended up focusing more on the EXP Youth Project, uh-huh. um, which uh, was growing and is still growing well, year, you know, a year or so after I've left, which is great. Um, but I got to the point we were my wife and kids and I we were pre- I was preaching out on um I forgot which island it was now. Was it Collinsy? It's Collinsy. Uh-huh. Um and Pauline was saying, No, this is you just need to finish, you know. So I thought um one oh, no, of the, the another part of the story is another island. Um I usually go away every May with some buddies and we do like a wild camping trip yeah. uh, out under the tents, uh, open fires and just great times. And we're sitting around the fire, you know the kind of friends that you don't see for a year and then you sit down and go, ah, oh, you pick up the conversation. So we were sharing and I was sharing the story of being given this release into life line um, and not quite knowing what it meant. And the next day, uh, Crawford Bell, you know, uh-huh. Crawford, yeah. Crawford Bell was here and he came up to me and said, what comes to me as a line, you've paid your dues. And he said, yeah, you know, you don't owe anyone anymore. And I've realised over the years, Stuart, that I'm quite a loyal person. Mm-hmm. And the thought of leaving the Church of Scotland felt like a betrayal because there's so many amazing people, ministers, staff workers, you know, ordinary members. Um, but that allowed me to go, I can leave without feeling like I was letting the side down or abandoning ship. So a year ago, uh, I left the Church of Scotland, although I'm still a registered minister, and I left the EXP Youth Project that we'd set up. And I ended up doing two part-time jobs, one with active schools uh, three days a week and doing some youth work in the grammar school here in Dunoon, sort of pupil support work. But Alongside it, ended up setting up my own business, Youth Work Journeys. And the journeys language, Stuart, is over the years, my experience of training was often we tried to put as much in as we could because a volunteer or a staff member or a student was there and you wanted to cram it in. Um, but what's really shaped me over the years is folk who have walked with me, journeyed with me, been with me. And so the idea of Youth Work Journeys is to come alongside people and to journey with them and to offer three areas of mentoring, training, and growing your own leaders. Briefly, mentoring that for someone who's maybe starting off in their career in youth work and wondering, asking the questions, um, and to sit with them and go deeper with them. Uh, Or it might be someone, Stuart, who has, they've been doing youth work for a long time, but either because things are going really well or because things are going quite badly, they're starting to ask the big questions of, of life and about faith and about who they are and how they can continue. And the training is shaped around the needs of the, the organisation and the church, the youth project, um, uh, delivering all online just now. Uh, but hopefully when COVID ends, we'd actually go and meet people, sit with them. Uh, and the Grow Your Own is how we grow our own leaders. Uh, I've been fortunate over the years to have worked with some amazing 
young leaders who started off as young kids running mental around the hall or the church, but ended up becoming uh, splendid leaders. So yep. that's what I do now. The being released thing, I think, is really interesting. Um, I, I I have a, a kind of similar kind of thought. I think that you know eventually I, I I did the same. I left and went to work for the NHS for a couple of years because I felt that at some point you have to go away, even if it's just for a wee while. Um, but there is this kind of a uh, you know because we foster such a I suppose a sense of belonging and yes. there's an investment in you as a person. You know, I I, I was tremendously lucky over the years that I worked for the Church of Scotland to to be able to to do some training, to to do a degree, a, you know, kind of a, a master's and all those kinds of stuff that 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 I wouldn't necessarily have got the opportunity to do in different places. Yeah. And as you say, at the same time, have all these amazing people um, around you and, and, and as part of the things that you do. And so there is this kind of sense that, well, you know, why would you walk away <laughs> from that? You know, because you've got such a huge stake in it. Yeah. Um, and at some points, you know, the, the church changes and, you know, the, 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 bit, the, the bit of the church that I worked for and the bit of the church that you worked for joined together. Mm. And that, and everything changed for that. You know, so some people left, some people were kept on, some people, you know, were made redundant and all that kind of stuff, but everything changed. Um, you know, so sometimes it's at those moments that, that, that people feel, right, hold on a minute, this isn't for me anymore. But that's not, you know, you, you've made deliberate decisions, I think, to, to move on and to change at points that it felt as though God was calling you to be somewhere else. You know, nobody else made those decisions for you. You thought, right, well, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm going to go and do this, and then I'm mm. going to go and do this. And then to be faced with, you've paid your dues, but you've paid your dues means you've got tons of experience that you can share with people. Hopefully. So that, yeah. That's what I hear. It's not that you don't owe anybody anything anymore. It's that actually you've been doing this for a long time now, and you've got a really broad and deep understanding of what it is. You've been in loads of different situations. You've worked with people all around the country at various different ages and stages. So who who would be better placed <laughs> than than you to be able to, to say to people, look, see if you want to chat about this. I've, I've you know, I've been there probably. Yeah. Uh, but I've also got some thoughts about that um, that might help. I might ask you, I always think sometimes it's about helping people to ask the right questions yeah. about what they're doing. Um, and that's what it feels like. Feels like you're saying. Um, I think that's really exciting. So how are how are folk engaging with that? Are they, you know, has that been something that that you felt people are looking for, or are they reluctant, or are they a bit? What do you mean? It, it it's an interesting one, Stuart. A lot of people are very affirming, absolutely, and saying similar things to what you've just said, and that, that's great. I, 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 I'm a bit grateful for that support. Um, the interesting area is when you start talking about money. Uh-huh. Uh, and one thing that I've had to learn is how I cost myself. Yeah. Um, and learning slowly to be up front and say, okay, so free consultation, that's fine. And then I draw up after that couple of hours consultation, I then draw up a training package or a mentoring package. Uh, and I give it back to them and say, okay, that would be X hours, you know, over six months or whatever. And it'll cost you this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm getting better at that. And it's interesting, Stuart, the number of people who say, yeah, good. You know, if we were, if it was a church boiler or if it was a church roof, you know, the this, the roofer or the plumber would come along and say, okay, it's going to cost you this. Here's the hours, here's the parts. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get better. I am getting better at doing that. Good. But it, it is a journey. Yeah. It, is, it is a bit of a journey. Um, I think I'm looking... There's almost a, a kind of sweet spot, Stuart, I'm trying to find because there's there's folks who are doing great youth work and they're already involved in, you know, I've, I've called them tribes. Mm-hmm. So they might already have their support and their nourishment through the Scripture Union tribe or the Young Life tribe or the FYT tribe or the Youth for Christ tribe or whatever. Um, and that's great. You know, don't want to diminish any of the work of any of these great, you know, Christian youth work organisations in Scotland. At the other extreme, there's folks who just aren't able to do anything. And I don't feel that that's 
what I can support just now. Maybe I've been able to do that in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find folks somewhere in the middle who are doing something uh, but aren't certain of how to go forward or that uh, they're facing struggles. And in fact, another area I'm working on, Stuart, is kind of trying to be online more, you know, mm-hmm. and recognising that people, that's where they live and that's where they, they find um, the resources, their, their training. So uh, someone put together a great website for me, which I'm grateful for, which is www.youthworkjourneys.com. There you go. Um, and being on Facebook, getting connections that way. But a lot of it, I find, is word of mouth. Yeah. You know, I'm talking with someone and they mention a church and I go, oh, I'm, I'm going to just give them a phone. Yeah. Uh, or someone says to me, oh, I heard from somebody else. Um, and it's an odd situation just now in that I've been furloughed from active schools. So instead of working three days a week, I'm only working one day a week. And at the start of the year, I was thinking, you know, I probably need to, need to drop this so that I've got more time to devote. But the idea of handing back a salary mm-hmm. when you've got a wife and kids in the mortgage. Yeah. Um, but here I am. I'm being paid still by active schools, and I'm grateful for that. But I've got two days, Wednesday, Thursday, today, to devote to Youth Work Journey stuff. So, yeah. hi. So it's working out okay? So far. It's, it's getting it's you, before we were chatting, we were, were kind of laughing about um, the, the kinds of things that we got folk to do, you know, drinking cans of juice through a sock and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I, you said, you said, uh, uh, I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, and I inwardly smiled and thought, yeah, so am I. And, but we learn how to not be. You yeah. Know, you kind of do the, you know, I can stand up and talk in front of people, but I need to go for a lie down afterwards. Yes. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, that uh, there's an enormous benefit to, to, to being an introvert and in that you, uh, you know, you, you like to be reflective often. Yes. Um, but the downside is that you need to pick up the phone and, and, you know, particularly if you're starting something new, put yourself out there and say, look, you know, hiya, can I help? And, and, you know, for, for someone who's an introvert, that's a terrifying <laughs> prospect. <laughs> so Somebody said to me, and I can't remember who it was, I wish I could remember. He said, if you stop thinking about promoting yourself and think about promoting your ministry. Yeah. I thought, that, that kind of worked for me. Um, and I thought, yeah, it's not about promoting me. It's about promoting the work that I'm doing. Yeah. In the same way that I might promote it if I'd heard someone else was doing it. Um, so... Again, that's the reason why I sometimes find myself talking about youth work journeys. Because I, I can talk about youth work journeys and go, oh, youth work journeys is great. Yeah. You know, it's mentoring, it's training, it's supporting youth workers in a way that was just someone inside me doesn't click when I say, oh, I can do that. Yeah. So, yeah, because youth work journeys is you. It, it is you, just, you are that resource. You're providing all those. Yeah, but in the same yeah. way that you would hire a, you know, a plumbing company, you know, but it's one guy in a van. That's right. That's exactly it. And I think almost the the Youth Word Journey's label is is a way of me hiding behind that, in a sense, to to push that out there. And then when folk go to the website or, you know, contact me, you're right. Once the personal is there, I'm happy. Um, And it's a a thing that the church has a a kind of really odd kind of relationship with the the idea of uh, the fact that we might actually be competent. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but also you know the, the kind of uh, you know I have this conversation with my wife all the time she's like oh, I don't like to blow my own trumpet and I'm like yeah but it's okay to have a trumpet yeah you know and yeah. To, you know you know if you can play the trumpet get you know what's the point in hiding all of that you know yeah. that, that actually we're, we're kind of you know don't want to, don't want to brag don't want to show off but the reality is you know, as you've said, you've got, you know, years of experience and something to give back that folk are looking for. So why not tell people about yes. that? You know, we're not doing, you know, it's the hiding the light on your light under a bushel thing. We're not doing anybody any good by being falsely modest. I There's think. a great book, uh, Stuart, The Scots Crisis of Confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've forgotten the lady's first name, someone, Craig, Anne Craig. And she analyses why in particular Scots, you know, um, and she compares the the line, you know, we're all jock Thompson's bairns. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she would say in America, there's a similar theme that, you know, we're all the same. We're all the same. But in Scotland, we're all the same. So don't get above yourself. Yeah. Whereas in America, we're all the same. So why not me? And I thought, gosh, that's, yeah. that's, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm doing a, a kind of PhD part time just now. And one of the issues I'm looking at is how are folks sustained for the long term? And it, personality type, I think, is part of it. And sure, there's so many questions pumping out of this uh, studying that I'm doing. But the uh, you know, questions about personality type, what sustains you, knowing if you know who you are, then you can be sustained. But I suspect a lot of youth workers get drawn into being someone else. Mm-hmm. Perhaps because the youth worker that nourished them, they want to be like that. Yeah. Or there's a myth that you've got to be the Duracell bunny. And we can all be the Duracell bunny for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but actually, not many of us can keep it going. And actually, because not many of us are Duracell bunnies. Yeah. So finding out who you are and how God nourishes you and who you're meant to be uh, is quite a challenge because it means yeah. sometimes going, that's not me anymore. Yeah. I remember um, vividly, um, quite a long time ago, ago now, I'm going to uh, do an assessment um, for, for college. Uh, to, to see a, a youth worker who was uh, and still is an introvert I mean like off the scale introvert and she was terrified of doing all of that you know my supervisor says I've got to do all this you know stand up be charismatic you know and she was incredible at building relationships with people yeah but it wasn't valued mm. you know because they wanted somebody to be up at the front and you know do this all singing all dancing stuff which is you know it's important but actually you know what she was doing was this really quiet deep ministry that yeah. the, the young people she was working with really appreciated but the people that she was working for couldn't see um because because that's not what they thought youth work should look like a youth ministry should look like you know they, they were looking for guitars with rainbow straps and my games and you know and, and all of which is great but you know at the end of the day she knew her kids and she knew yeah. them really well and they came to her for all kinds of stuff and she supported them through all kinds of things and, and was doing a, a brilliant brilliant thing but thought she was rubbish because you know just that they, they, you know that folk that wasn't her personality type and, and there was no place for that somehow um, and, and what we do I liked. I'm going to go. I'm going to pull you up on something there. You're not doing a kind. You're not doing a kind of PhD. You're doing a PhD. It's a real PhD. And, and that's you know. But that's the same thing, isn't it? I'm doing a. Yeah. I'm just doing this wee you know doctoral thesis. I suppose that's true. Yeah, and and part of that, Stuart, is one of the things I realised early on in the kind of limited bits of reading I was doing was there's a, a lack of Scottish voices. Yeah. Do you know, there, there's great Scottish voices in in church, in theology, in kind of adult church um, that, have, that are worldwide, you know. And there are great youth workers writing worldwide about Christian youth work, but not in Scotland. Yeah. And part of me doing this study uh, is hopefully an encouragement. Uh, there's been a holdup in my ethics applications because of COVID and all that. But when I get to my interviews, hopefully very soon, it's going to be part of that is trying to create a, more people in Scotland who are thinking deeply about Christian youth work or youth ministry and saying, yeah, let's not be down on ourselves because we're Scottish and we, we just do youth work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thinking, but I, I was thinking about it that youth workers very often aren't asked to be deep. And so if you're not asked to be deep, you're not going to stop and do it, you know. And we've probably overemphasised activity. You've got a two-year contract. You've got a three-year contract. Just get busy, yeah. you know. Get there, do the stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and but, some of that's about, it has to be attractional because what, the way that we're going to judge whether you've been successful or not is we're going to count the number of people that come along on a Thursday night. Yeah. You know, we're not, yeah. Going, to, we're not going to look at the depth of engagement. We're not going to look at, you know, faith development. We're not, you know, we're, we're just going to count people, and so yeah. that so you end up doing stuff that you will know, bring them in. We can count and tick a box, and yeah. And it seems, Stuart, I think there's 
there's two extremes that don't seem to like talking to each other. There's one that says it's about community contacts and there's one that says it's about spiritual formation of the core. And I've seen both really successful. So you get some groups, and I'll mention no names this time, and churches who are great at doing the nurturing, the spiritual core, um, but they can be not getting out into the world because that's a place of danger. Uh, and it's about trying to draw a few more folk in. Then there's others who are absolutely brilliant at being out in the community, but they, they're hesitant to talk of deep matters or Christian spiritual formation. Or whatever. So it's trying to get both to work together. Um, and I can see places where it is working, and that's where there's real growth because the spiritual core goes into a wider world, the wider community. You know, there's, a, there's a circle of growth that goes on. Do you think then that that's reflected in people... And youth workers, you know, that, that, um, they, so I was always really aware that actually what I do is what I'm comfortable with, and I'm still aware of that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I've ended up in a parish, and I'm, I'm acutely aware sometimes that what we end up doing is what I like, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, but that's what we do, you know, and some of that's because I feel as though, you know, that's maybe where my, my skills lie, and, and so, you know, I'll, I'll make the most of, you know, my trumpet. You know, I'll get my trumpet out and I'll, I'll play my trumpet and that, you know, that's what I can do. And But at the same time, you were talking about personality types. I remember um, when I went for my um, ministerial assessment, one of the things that we we did a couple of these, you know, the kind of Myers-Briggs type mm. personality things. And, and that wasn't so much as part of the assessment. It was to help us. <laughs> so then what happened was, you know, a psychologist sat down with us and said, so you're, you're this, right? And that means that these kinds of people will, will be really easy for you um, because they like similar things and they understand what you're talking about. But you're going to have people like this who have no idea what you're talking about because you're, you're, you, you, the thing that they're interested in doesn't sound like what you're saying. Yeah. And that for me was like a light bulb moment. You know, I think, you know, I've been aware of all these personality types for years and years and years, but I don't understand how other people think. And even, or even that they do think differently. I just think, why don't they understand me? This isn't that hard. Yes. You know, and, and I wonder sometimes if, excuse the dogs again, if, uh, if what youth workers do is they do that. They, we, you know, we, we, you know, I'm interested in spiritual formation, so that's what we'll do. I'm interested in community contact, so that's what we'll do. Um, rather than being aware of themselves and thinking, well, we're only doing that because that's what I'm interested in and I'm scared to do the other thing or I don't know how to do the other thing or nobody's ever asked me about the other thing or I've, I've never even seen the other thing. Yes. You know, I'm just doing what I, I do. And so, you know, I guess being involved in a re reflective process like you're offering allows people to say, all right, there's there's other ways to do this. What, well, where am I? I think for me... Stuart, the key thing is about team. I remember when I was in South Edinburgh planting a church for young people and their families through the Church Scotland's NCD, New Charge Development Programme. But what was great was there was a real partnership amongst the three or four other Church of Scotland's in that area and an independent evangelical church. And when I began back in the summer mission days, I think the expectation was that I was an evangelist. And I maybe Never thought that I was, but thought I could do it. But then I realised that there are actually folk who are gifted at evangelism. You know, we can all tell of our faith. And my probably gifts and calling was just about being out and about. And it's been helpful for me, Stuart, when someone highlighted the Ephesians 4 thing. You know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Um, and I've realised that I'm an apostle and that if there's an edge, I want to be there whether it's an edge of thoughts or an edge of where the young people are not quite there. So developing high school missions back in the late 90s, working in a high school as a chaplain, but just hanging out in the school. And when I came to Dunoon, eh, again, we ran eh, with EXP a brilliant Friday night club that was based on the work myself and others were doing in the high school, supported by the Church of Scotland, but the, the evangelistic edge was provided by a local Baptist church and the local Baptist pastor. Uh, and he and I are complementary, shall we say. You know, we're different, but we loved working together. 
Um, and I think the churches that I see growing in their youth work are the ones that are saying there's a whole team of people. Uh, so the apostle who's out at the edge, the prophet who the voice of criticism, the evangelist, the decision maker, the, the shepherd who cares for people and the teacher who does, to, does the teaching. Um, and sometimes helping youth workers go, well, which one are you? And which ones are you not? And therefore, who do you need to find to be part of your team? And sometimes it's the young persons themselves that, that grow through that that give that, that breadth. Um, I, I think the problem is, Stuart, some of our churches are defined by just one of these things. And rather than then going, okay, so we might feel we're very much community-based, but we need to have other churches. They get a bit defensive and a bit, oh, well, we're not we're not them. We don't want to work with them, and that's a shame. Yeah, and I, I, I think, you know, particularly, you know, if you're talking about the, the likes of the Church of Scotland, you know, you've you've got a parish. There isn't another one of you. There might be a neighbour, mm. you know, and you might be working in the same town or, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, the reality is you, you're supposed to serve your patch. So if you're only doing one of those things, then the people of your patch are being denied yes. the other four. Yes. You know, and, and so... Well, you know, if, if and, and the one man band kind of thing, and it has been primarily one men mm. uh, band. That that that's a I think a feature of of that kind of ministry. That you know, it's it's about me. I'll do my thing, and if folk come, they come, and if they don't, well, you know, that's not my problem because you know they asked me to come here and be me. Mm. Um, but 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 with no recognition that, as you said, there might be other people around that are brilliant at doing yeah. all this other stuff. Yep. And, and my job is to enable them to do that and not to yeah. be that precious about everything and to say, you know, well, you can't do that because, you know, you've not got one of these funny collars or you've, you know, you know, whatever the reason might be that we, we, we stop people from, you know, as you did right at the back at the beginning, you said, you know, it's about everybody doing everything mm. and finding your bit in that. And, you know, if that's not what church is and what it's for and what it looks like, then what are we doing? One of my favourite lines I'll say to youth workers or students that I've worked with is, the move from me to we is a, a real challenge because a lot of youth workers, as they grow up, as they come into as a young person, in a, in a lovely way, it's about them being themselves and it's how they attract a crowd, how they interact, and brilliant that they do that. But then the next stage, I want to say to them, okay, it's from me to we, how do you then enable the, the us, the we, to do the work? Um, and that's a, a, a kind of challenging transition. As I, um, I'm laughing because uh, my I get pastoral supervision and I talk in we all the time and occasionally <laughs> my pastoral supervisor will say, have you not done anything? <laughs> You know, the, what, what, where are you in this? You know, because yeah. that's the purpose of the supervision. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's you know, it's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reality is, in, in all of these kinds of posts, you know, whether you're a, you know working with young people or or, or grown ups or whatever, you're you're temporary. And yeah. you know, the, this community will be here long after I'm gone. And however that happens, you know, whether I get run over by bus tomorrow or I retire gracefully when I'm seventy or what, whatever, you know. But the but Stonehouse will still be here. You know, and somebody else will come along and do this kind of work. You know, so yes. if it's not about we, then you know, there's far too much of me then in that. I think. You know, I like you know. I've heard people often say, you know, working yourself out of a job, and I almost disagree actually. I think no, if you're that enabler, I want you to stay in that job because you're constantly enabling and you're constantly bringing on others. I think no, oh, that is brilliant. Stay there. Uh, rather than thinking, oh, I brought on the next team, I'll leave. No, no, because you might be replaced by a person who comes in and goes, right, I can do it all now. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's about it's about creating capacity. Yeah. You know, that, and that capacity then just increases, doesn't it? You, you can do more and more and more things if more and more and more people are in, involved and engaged and, and skilled. And it comes back to what we think of as, as youth work. You know, if we think of youth work as kind of entertainment, then you've got one person up front, people behind the scenes. If you think of it as a school, it's about education, maybe, you know, teacher-to-pupil ratio with a couple of specialists coming in, and schools are great places. But if we see um, the Christian life for young people as family, 
well, the ratio of adults to young people in a family, is it is it one to one, you know, one to two, maybe sometimes three or four adults to one. Uh, and that's not to say that we only work with a few young people. But if we had that image in our head, then of course we want to keep bringing volunteers in and other adults because the more we have, the more we can do that one that you talked about earlier with the girl, the more we can do that one-to-one relational stuff um, and keep growing it, keep growing it. One of the, the questions that we've started kind of grappling with, the, the, the title of this podcast is, is based on the forced quit thing mm. that you do in the, the computer when it stops working. So you have to choose the things to shut down that aren't kind of working anymore. Um, and what you're describing sounds quite different from mm. the, the kind of standard church model that we've all become used to. So so in your head, what, what does church look like? You know, what, what should it look like? What could it look like? You know, what would, what would the kind of key things about church be for you? I'll give you a couple of lines and a wee piece of honest story. <clears throat> I, I talk about a more than vision for the church, a more than, and it's about more than Sundays. So it's how can the church be a, a Christian community active during the week? And linked to that second one is it's more than just worship. So it's about service. It's about evangelism. It's about mission. It's about education. It's about sacraments. And um, so there's there's fellowship. It's more than just worship. And it's about more than an individual staff member or minister. My fear, Stuart, is that as the church is squeezed ever so thinly, it just sticks with a limited function done by a limited number of people. Sadly, often funerals and pastoral care of the dead and dying by a few skilled specialists. And sometimes those specialists are lay people as well as clergy. Um, So these specialists will focus on doing the worship, administration and funerals. And I've seen so many lovely, good colleagues who feel they're drawn into that, where 10 years ago there were two or three ministers in a town or a a rural area, um, but now there's only one, you know. Ironically, churches that are growing seem to be the ones that are equipping all the people to do a number of the different functions of the church throughout the week. My honest reflection on that, Stuart, is um, I'm not part of an established church just now, and I say that with with sadness. Uh, I was part of a Christian community called Uri uh, in Dunoon that were folks who had been through established church and had a variety of experiences of that, some positive, some negative. You could call it a house group, I suppose, and it was lovely. It was just very affirming and a great Christian community for me and my family. Um, Some people left, some people moved on, different issues, and that sadly no longer continues. So I don't attend weekly worship, and there's still something in me that goes, Sunday morning, I should be at church, Uh, but I'm not. And what I would still yearn for and enjoy is Christian community, so hanging out with other Christians and then the worship and the support and the fellowship, the learning is just rooted in real relationships. And yeah, when lockdown ends, I hope I could rediscover that again or contribute to that. I, I wonder if, you know, you talked about not being part of a, a formal Christian community. I wonder if that's where lots of people will find themselves at the end of this, you know, that, that we've, we've, uh, you know, we talked for years about the, the, the Sunday school in some ways teaches kids not to come to church because we send them off somewhere else. And after, a, what, it's a year, pretty much our church closed on the first Sunday of lockdown and it hasn't reopened since then. We, we almost did three times, but every time we do, something happens and we can end up back. I wonder, do you think people are going to, more and more people have found themselves in the same situation as you, that as they drift off, from organised church, but do you think that may be accelerated a little bit by what we've all experienced? I think sadly it is, Stuart, and 
if I can be slightly critical. Um, I think a lot of churches, as I've suggested earlier, just there's an over much focus on worship. I'm not saying worshiping God is not important, or that in the Reformed tradition, rooting teaching into that and rooting the sacraments in. I'm not saying they're not important at all. They're life-giving when done well. Um, but no fellowship. You know, I used to joke that too many churches I was part of, it was like Groundhog Day, you know, the old movie. Because you go in, how are you? Fine. What are you doing tomorrow? Back to work. Go back next week. How are you? Fine. What's going on? But at their best, you know, the Christian communities, whether it was the old summer mission teams or, you know, youth work action teams or this URI group that I was part of, there was a sense that people really knew you, you know. And the people would say to you, you know, Paul, how's, how's your mum? You know, uh, I was involved in, and I, I'm not being critical, I've just made a comment, Stuart. Uh, my dad died when I was in Edinburgh. Nobody visited. Because I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe the people didn't know what to say. But nobody from the local churches visited. Folks who were part of the wee Christian group that were planting the church did. Um, I compare that with when my mum died and uh, we were on Mull. So my life is around Argyle Islands. But we're on Mull with Uri. Uh, we were doing a camping trip. And I remember standing in a circle with them saying, you know, I would rather not be here because my mum was, we just found out it collapsed and we're trying to get off the island. And saying, I'd rather not be here. But I'd, if I have to be in this situation, I wouldn't be with it, better people. And it was that quality of relationship. It was that quality of relationship, Stuart, that at the times of my mum's dying or other people having problems with their families or illnesses or jobs, we talked. And from those relationships came great times of worship or community service uh, or prayers. I think that, that's been the bedrock for me. And that would be the path back in for me into Christian community are these real relationships. That, that really resonates with me. I, I, you know, and very recently, I, I, last, last week, the, the, the title of this, that I gave the sermon after I'd written it, it wasn't where I started, but yeah. was it, this is not it. Huh. And talking exactly about that, you know, the, inviting people to come along and, you know, come to church, that's, that's not it. You know, that's not the thing. You know, the thing is the relationships that we have with each other and God and the, the things that we do in church are, for me, just a, a way of helping us to, to do that. And if they become anything other than that, then we're not doing them right. But you know, they're a bit I, I remember, relationship. Absolutely sure. I remember it's, it's about our history, you know, and that a lot of churches don't have church halls. And I remember someone saying, the reason they don't have church halls is you didn't need them because folk knew each other. Yeah. And churches that didn't have, as most of them don't have, social hours or tea afterwards. It was because the community, the society, the culture did all that. And the church could ever just focus. You knew your neighbours. You loved your neighbours. They looked after you. Uh, and so when you went to worship, you just did the worship thing. But as as society and culture don't do those things quite so well anymore, then the church has forgotten that people still need those things. Yeah. Uh, and so that the church needs to be more involved in the fostering of relationships, the pastoral support of people, uh, and that worship then flows out of community. Worship doesn't... I say sometimes, worship doesn't create community. Community creates worship. Yeah. And if you get real community, real Christian community, uh, that is about forgiveness and acceptance and judgment, in a sense, mm -hmm. you know, your good pal says to you, come on. <laughs> then then out of that real community comes a sense, I, I want to be worshipful, I want to be thankful to God for this. Yeah. But if we just start with the worship, I don't think we ever end up with a community. Yeah, yeah because it becomes... Yeah, it's just a thing that people come to for an hour and then go away again, it's, like any yeah, other can, kind of show. It's a consumer. Yeah. That's right, we consume yeah. uh, rather than creating. Yeah. I uh, I started off lockdown thinking uh, in a slightly annoyed fashion um, that, that people would rather come to a coffee morning than come to worship, and now I'm really pleased that that's the yeah. case, that they would rather see each other than sit and listen to me. 
and yeah. you know, I, th- I think that's great. You're and it's trying to hold that, Stuart. Yeah. I'm sure, and I'm sure you'll do it well. Holding that community connectedness that people have really relished and have missed. And if we can hold that as we come somehow come through COVID, it doesn't matter whether young person, old person, hold the warmth of those community connections that people have lost and missed and nurture worship into that. Yeah. One of the things that has obviously happened over the, you know, the, <laughs> it's not our fault, but one of the things that has happened over the period of our employment is uh, that the, the number of people engaged with church has has dramatically decreased. Um, and, you know, I think some of the stuff that we're talking about is that that's why, you know, that, that people don't find real engagement and real community. You know, that they, they're fed up just coming and listening to the, the same sermon every week and singing the same five hymns and it's the same, you know, and, and it, 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 you know, and, and that can be great. And it, it you know, as you said, it, it can teach, it can inspire it can do all kinds of things but if it doesn't connect with where people are at during the week then what's the point you know and if people can't bring where they're at then then what's the point um do you see because some of the stuff that you're describing there is about small it's about local it's about actually not a very big group of people you know it's a it's a fairly small group of people who you can get to know you know so i you know, our church, we're, we're really lucky in lots of ways. You know, there's still more than 100 people coming a Sunday. But that's a lot of people. You can't really get to know 100 people properly. So do you think church needs to look different from that? And then, you know, at some point we might all get together to do a thing together. But actually what we need is is small groups like the one that you're talking about where where you can actually get to know each other and you can find out about them and, and, and ask those difficult questions and support each other and all that kind of stuff. I think it was, it was interesting what you said there, Stuart, when you, I think the phrase you used was, you can't relate to all those people. Uh-huh. You're exactly right. One person can't. And I suspect the, the key issue here is about leadership. We often, I think as leaders, do we collude with our congregations who want us to be the leader, who does it all, uh, because that is very affirming. But it, it means that we can't do certain tasks like what we've just described. But if we can delegate leadership, so absolutely, it's small scale, it's small group, but we, we delegate leadership. So we, we whether it was like the old summer mission teams like we said at the start or you know the work teams that ran Youth Assembly, it was about delegating skills. So, yeah, absolutely, you lead that, you get on with it. So I think there's a place for both and, that you delegate the leadership and you get the small groups uh, and that ability to relate, And but then you come together for the bigger act of worship or a bigger teaching maybe, um, or you come together for community impact, how you're going to impact the community together. So, yeah, both and. I think, Stuart, the big gathering is encouraging and enthusing for, for worship, but the small groups are there. I remember someone talking about a cathedral, church, or cell, and instead of seeing these as three competing models of church, you know, the cathedral that's big <clears throat> and impressive and runs events that everyone comes to from a wide area, or the church that's small, local, or the cell that is down to three or four people, we see them all as constituent parts of the whole, uh, and each require different types of leadership. Yeah. Yeah, and they all they all meet different needs for people, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah. So they're not they're not discrete. You know, they, no. I like that idea that they're all, you know, they're all part of a thing that that, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. actually. You know, in terms of how we how we live our lives, we have small groups of friends, but then we have acquaintances, and then we have things that we go to that involve people that we don't know and we'll never know. But it's good to be mm-hmm. together. Because we share a, you know, we we go and support the, the same football team or we go to see the same band or you know, whatever that might be, yeah. you know, we're, we're all part of a thing together, but we're not, you know, we're not friends. And in, in youth work, that affirms that oh, we talked with Steve Mallon earlier. Remember Steve Mallon saying, you know, have you got a pulse? Have you got a pulse? Yeah, you can do youth work. Yeah. So there's a role for a specialist, and there's a role for staff members and a role for paid youth workers. But actually, if we can just encourage the ordinary church member uh, that, yes, you can relate to young people. 
Yeah, that's what we do. Yes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I sometimes feel as if I don't have a pulse, but that's a whole different... <laughs> well, that's right. It'd be a tough week. A tough <laughs> it's week. a whole different question. I, I'm going to finish with a, a question um, that I came across um, fairly recently, but it's a question that's been around, you know, it's one of these kind of a, a good reflective question. And I saw it, you know, in a blog post a couple of weeks ago and it's been kind of milling around my head. And the, the question is a pretty straightforward question. Um, so I'm going to ask you and, and see what see what you think. Um, the question is this, uh, in relation, so we'll, we'll make it in relation to, you know, the pandemic and all the things that have happened. Instead of saying, what can't we do? What does this make possible? Wow. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think it makes possible this pandemic without minimising the hurt and the bereavements that people have been through and the deaths. Um, rethinking. That forced exit, I think, is a lovely control, a lovely image you know, the amount of people have talked to me over the years, oh, we need to change, we need to change, you know. We have changed. And I, I think what we can do now, Stuart, this, this pandemic is making us ask the big questions. And we will not return to normal. You know, we're not going to go back to the past, however much people want to do that. There's a line by John Vincent in the book Christianity Rediscovered. And it talks about us going neither to a place that's comfortable to us nor to the young people, but to a new place together. Um, and I, I suspect this is a, a rethinking time uh, to say, okay, what has gone is gone. We think about that question, Stuart. Maybe we get back to you sometime on it. That's a... Yeah. As, as I said, it's been it's been rattling around my head since I had, heard it because I, th- yeah. I think it, it's very easy to frame everything that's happened as negative because there's so much loss in all kinds of ways, you know, with, you know, whether that's, you know, I can't go out for a coffee with my pal or, or as you said, the, the, you know, the huge number of people who have suffered bereavement and the loss of employment and the things that have happened to young people in school and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, it does, it does open up possibilities because it's forced us to stop. I think, you know, that, that's the kind of primary driver it's, in some of that. And there's a personal comment, Stuart. It's also opened me up to the possibilities of work like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing training with a couple of churches, and I joked one night that uh, I live in Dunoon, and, and one night I went to, uh, was it Gia, Dunoon, and Kelso in one night? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was good. Yeah. You know, so in some ways it's linking people up and that was at another training event and there were folks from Dunoon and folks from Oban there. Mm-hmm. Great, good two-hour training session. Yeah. We saved on these individual churches' training budgets mm-hmm. because there was no travel for me. Yeah. Um, we cut down on the amount of time these folk were away from their families. Uh, so there's some good things. If yeah. we learn to hold on to that and bolt that back on to face-to-face, which is always a key for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not the same, but it's not impossible. No. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think that that, that kind of sense that, you know, we're going to do something for an hour. And it actually lasts for an hour. It doesn't last for a half hour on the front and a half hour on the end and the hour in the middle. Yeah. So really, it's, you know, click, we start, click, we stop. And I can, you know, I'm in my house. I yeah. can, you know, I can go and make myself a coffee and I can get my dinner or watch the telly or, you know, that that's a... That's a huge change, mm-hmm. you know, and much bigger than, than I think we realise, actually, yeah. and in terms of how we use, yeah, I've said before, I, I you know, worked for the United Reformed Church, which, you know, its head office is in London. Oh. And so I would go to London for a meeting, you know, so I'd spend four and a half hours on the train, be in church house for, you know, could be a day, you know, I could get there at 10 o'clock, leave at four o'clock and then come home. You know, yeah. So you you know the, the meeting's the same length of time as the travel. The travel. Kind of thing. And you're that's you. You know, the next day you're good for nothing because you know, to get there for ten o'clock you've actually got up at three o'clock in the morning to go on mm. the train. And it's fine, but it doesn't make an awful lot of sense because everybody at the meeting had done the same thing. 
Yes, yes. You know, there's two people that actually live in London and they don't really live anywhere near Church House because nobody can exp- afford to live around there. So even if they live in London, it's taking them an hour to get there. You know, whereas we can all sit in our house and have a, you know, a perfectly reasonable conversation and then place stop and go and have your lunch. Mm. You know, mm. and you know, it's 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 a different kind of tiring, but it's but it makes a lot of things, as you've said, makes them possible. Including your your new venture. Which is great. Yep. Yep. I know because when I when I set up Stuart, I, I really wanted what I've always enjoyed is kind of watching. You know, you're involved in a setting, you're watching what's going on and then you sit with the worker actor and say, So tell me about that and what, what you're learning. And I really hope, you know, to get back into that. But at this stage for youth work journeys, it's been good to be able to say to you, okay, we'll talk on the phone for an hour or so and then I can deliver this training to you next week. What time suits you? Um, yeah. Brilliant. Paul, it's, uh, it's been fantastic to catch up. And it has been. It's, it's you been know, good. And that's one of the things that has been made possible is these kind of conversations because, yep. you know, we would, we would meet when we meet um, you know, we kind of bumped into each other a number of times over the years, usually because you were teaching the class after I was teaching. That's right. And you were to help me with the technology. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, you know, you're in Duran, I'm in Stonehouse and we're having a conversation, which is brilliant, you know. So, yeah. so for no, me, enjoyed some, that. Of the, some of this is, is, is great and it's really good to see you. And I'm, I wish you every success with uh, Youth Work Journeys. Thank you. Mm.